so we continue with the series on the resurrection of the dead and we're dealing with um, the second coming as part of that uh, series of teachings. Um, and the reason that we're dealing with the second coming is because the first resurrection, which is the resurrection of the saints, is directly linked to the second coming of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we want to do is we want to have a look at what the scripture teaches us regarding the second coming of our Lord. We want to see um, the key events that do need to take place as revealed to us in Scripture before our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Um, for the Scripture does teach us that as believers we should be um, watchful and we should be ready for the second coming of our Lord. And so what we're doing is we're pulling out of, the, uh, out of Scripture um, certain key events. We're not pulling all of them, but we're pulling out certain key events that must take place before the Lord returns so that the, the um, saint can be um, knowledgeable about the timeline of God and we can have an idea as to where we are on God's timeline with regards to the second coming of our Lord. Now no one knows the date and the time when our Lord is going to return to the earth. Our Lord said that not even the angels know and he didn't even know. He said the only one who knows is God the Father and God the Father keeps that um, information in his own authority and he does not share that information with anyone else however what the Lord does has done for us is that he has given us his word and he through his word he has shown us certain things that he said must take place before his second coming and so those are the things we look at and by looking at them in chronological sequence we can then see all right well this is where we are as far as um, the Lord returning to the earth and um, we've had a look at six key events so far and it's quite interesting to see that of the six key events revealed in scripture a lot of them are very far down the line so you know there is there's such a um not an anticipation but because we're so far down the line in these key events the the things that are taking place in this present time that this generation is living in um, could not have taken place in prior generations and so they could never have been nearly as close to our Lord's second coming as this generation is as we go through all of these various key events. And so I'm just going to briefly uh, touch on each uh, key event we've looked at so far as a recap. And so the first key event we looked at is that the fourth kingdom has to be made manifest as revealed to the prophet Daniel in chapters 7 and 8 and the visions that were given to him and the uh, fourth kingdom is important because from the fourth kingdom the ten kings arise and from the ten kings the antichrist arises and uh, he subdues three of those ten kings but he comes out of that particular kingdom and so it's important that that kingdom is in place in the earth in order for him to materialize in the earth and we've had a look and we've seen that the fourth kingdom is in the earth today it is in fact uh, the religion of islam and you can go back on previous teachings and have a look at that. And then we had a look at the, the key event called the falling away, which is uh, falling away within the church um, in that some will depart from the faith at the end of the age. They will fall away from following after Christ. It will be a very um, significant event in the church. And we have seen that the church is pretty much ripe uh, for that falling away event to occur in the church. Uh, but there's still some things to happen that will trigger that event, but that event will take place 
and there will be many believers that will become offended. Um, the Bible talks about the fact that because our Lord said, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And he's talking about uh, believers there. He's not talking about the world. The world doesn't have love. And, uh, and he says many will be offended at that time. When he says be offended, um, you should tie that up with uh, the parable of the sower sowing the word. Uh, those who were offended were the ones who fell away. And so that is, the falling away is a definite event. It hasn't occurred in the church yet. Uh, the church is being set up for this falling away event. And we've discussed uh, in previous teachings about the kind of doctrines that are coming out in, in, the, in the church today, which are uh, in, impacting on the lives of many believers. And it is really sound doctrine that is uh, going to be avoided in the last days. And that is going to be the trigger to cause people to fall away from falling after Christ. And then we had a look at the third key event, which is the, the nation of Israel, natural Israel, or however you want to put it, um, the Jews, uh, being brought into the geographic location of Israel. Um, that has to happen in that God has to bring back all of natural Israel into the geographic location of um, where Israel is today. And that key event started taking place from the beginning of the 19th or 1900s, um, culminating in 1948 when Israel was proclaimed as a nation. And since that time, more and more Jews have been uh, migrating to the geographic location of Israel. And um, a lot has been fulfilled, a lot have moved across. And I did the comparative uh, with 1975. There were roughly 11 million Jews living outside of Israel. As at uh, last year, there's apparently roughly 8 million Jews living outside of Israel. And so the numbers are reducing quite dramatically. Currently, there's still more Jews living outside of Israel than there are inside of Israel. And so that particular key event is pretty much halfway there. But uh, God will accelerate it and he will make sure that all of natural Israel are brought into the geographic location of uh, where Israel is today. That will happen. And then the fourth key event we looked at is the fact that the third temple has to be rebuilt. Um, and we looked at scripture along that line. We're not going to go into that in detail. But that third temple will definitely be rebuilt. It will be built uh, on Temple Mount. And uh, temple worship will once again be reinstated in uh, Israel as a nation. Uh, and we saw in that particular teaching that uh, the Orthodox Jews, uh, that segment of the Jewish population, is the fastest growing segment of their population uh, at this point in time. And they will definitely have a huge impact on uh, the nation of Israel as it, it heads into that time when the temple will be rebuilt and the temple worship will once again be reinstated for the Antichrist has to put an end to the daily sacrifice. And that daily sacrifice is not yet happening because the temple has not yet been built. Then the fifth key event that we've looked at so far is the fact that there is a, a time when the fullness of the Gentiles will have been brought into the kingdom of God. And that is a finite, there is a finite number of Gentiles that will be saved. Um, God has uh, preordained and predestined who's going to come into the kingdom of God. And we're not going to go down and look at the, at the teaching of predestination today. That's another teaching entirely on its own. But God knows exactly who's going to be saved. Um, Paul said the, Lord, the sure foundation of God stands that the Lord knows those who are his. And so he has determined who um, will be saved. And there will be uh, there's a, a set number of Gentiles that are going to be brought into the kingdom. 
And the book of Romans teaches us when the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, then the blindness in Israel, natural Israel, will be taken away and they will be brought into the kingdom of God as a nation in one, at one time. But before that happens, the fullness of the Gentiles will come into the kingdom of God. And so they will reach a time in the earth when no more Gentiles will be saved. Even though the gospel might be preached at that time, there will be no more responses to the gospel. Um, the church will then start to become more mature because she will no longer have baby Christians coming in. And those who are in, the falling away will have taken place. So what will remain is um, a core of uh, believers who will be able to become mature in the Lord and will become mature in the Lord. And the body of Christ on the earth will reach a stage of maturity that she's never reached before. Um, but the fullness of the Gentiles will come in and that we're not there yet, but um, pretty much it seems quite possible that the current generation that has been born in the earth today is the last generation that will have the opportunity, Gentile-wise, to come into the kingdom of God and the, the gospel will not be preached to the Gentiles after that. And then we looked at the sixth uh, key event that must take place uh, before our Lord returns, and that is the manifestation of the two witnesses as revealed to us in the book of Revelation. And we said that when these two witnesses are revealed in the earth, that this is a game changer in that now the earth will be exposed to the supernatural um, to the supernatural, because it's going to be the supernatural power of God. And so what will happen when these two gentlemen are manifested in the earth, um, it will it'll be like the, the, the movies that you see today, where you have these um, fantastic, uh, um, I don't know, superheroes that are like Superman and that kind of uh, character who are able to do all these fantastic things. Um, that is kind of what is going to happen in the earth. You're going to see the, the power of God being displayed to that degree in the earth, the whole world will take notice. And we saw that the two folks that we're talking about are in fact Moses and Elijah. They are the two um, olive trees that stand in the presence of, of the God of all the earth, the two, um, oh, what's it, uh, or no, they, they pour out the anointing oil. Um, but they stand before the God of the whole earth, and, we, and we're not going to go back into that teaching, but the two witnesses that the Bible refers to are in fact Moses and Elijah, and you can go back on previous teachings and have a look at that. And so that all brought us to now the next key event that has to take place, because don't forget we're looking at this in chronological sequence. And the next key event is the revelation of the Antichrist to the earth. Now, when I say revelation of the Antichrist, uh, I'll qualify that and you'll see what I mean when I talk about that statement now. And we're going to now have a look at the Antichrist because he's now come onto the world stage um, displaying his, his supernatural powers for the very first time. He is the, the, the leader of the fourth kingdom. He would have taken over dominion over the fourth kingdom and they would be following after him but they would not have been yet exposed to his supernatural powers. Uh, they would have just seen a, a very charismatic leader rising up, rising up in their midst and they will be following after him. He will be uh, the leader of the fourth kingdom and he will take on Moses and Elijah at the end of their time. Um, and so let's have a look at now some scripture 
that will give us a bit of an insight about this particular individual called the Antichrist. John's the only one who refers to him as the Antichrist. Um, Paul calls him the son of perdition. Our Lord Jesus calls him the abomination of desolation. Um, so the, he has different titles given to him in Scripture, but the one that is most commonly used and the one that most is commonly understood is the Antichrist. And so, yeah, you know, I will you know, most probably just refer to him as the Antichrist as we go through this teaching today. So the scripture we want to look at is in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. And this is the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul, giving us um, Paul's revelation of just who this Antichrist is. And so Paul says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And it's talking about the day of the Lord when our Lord returns to the earth, and here's the falling away that he spoke about, which we've already dealt with. And now he brings in the Antichrist. He says, And the man of sin is revealed. So again, uh, Paul alludes to the fact that he is a man, for he says the man of sin is revealed. Um, and we know in, in Revelation, the Bible says his number is 666, and it's the number of a man. Um, and then Paul calls him the son of perdition. But it's the same person, the Antichrist, son of perdition, same person. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so that's how we've also tied in the fact that the third temple will be present when the Antichrist uh, makes himself manifest in the earth. It was just one of the other scriptures to highlight the fact that the third temple still has to be built. Uh, because he sits in that temple and he shows himself to the world that he's God. But he now sits in the temple of God and he says, guys, I'm God. Um, and the whole world takes note and the whole world says, yeah, I think you pretty much are. Verse 5. Do, not, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And so Paul taught on this subject uh, to all the churches that he planted. Verse 6. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. And so that's also, Paul is alluding to the fact that the, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, is currently being restrained. Um, and he, Paul says, you know what is restraining? Because obviously Paul had shared with the church what was re, is restraining the Antichrist. Now this is a very important point for us to pick up and we'll, in us understanding who the Antichrist is. Um, he is currently being restrained. He cannot come into the earth. There's, there's something or someone that is restraining the Antichrist from being um, revealed in the earth. Verse 6 again. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. It's not his time yet. And so he will not be revealed in the earth until his time arrives. Verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains... So it's a, it's a person who's restraining the Antichrist from being revealed into the earth. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So when this individual is taken out of the way, then and only then can the Antichrist be revealed in the earth. Um, and we're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll understand exactly who is restraining uh, the Antichrist from being revealed into the earth. Um, I've heard it's taught that it's the Holy Spirit that restrains God. No, God's not going to be taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit's not going to be taken out of the way. But we'll get there anyway. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So he's now called the lawless one, son of perdition, the Antichrist, abomination of desolation. He has very various titles. 
Um, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So now Paul is alluding to us how the, how the Lord is going to destroy this particular individual. And we'll get to it as we go down the, this whole series of the resurrection of the dead. But really what uh, Paul is alluding to here is the battle of Armageddon when our Lord returns and with the breath of his mouth he destroys uh, um, the Antichrist's armies. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, but our Lord is really, that's the way the Lord is going to destroy him. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders. So this individual will receive supernatural powers from Satan himself. Satan will endue this individual with this very powerful um, uh, what's the word? Miraculous powers. They will be um, false, but they will be real nevertheless. And uh, those powers will be made manifest through this individual, but he will have received them from Satan himself. Verse 10, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So it's they will be deceived. But it's very powerful stuff that God's going to allow this Antichrist to do. Um, and look at what he says here in verse 11. And for this reason, because they didn't, uh, the world says, no, okay, we don't want to have anything to do with the gospel. This Jesus thing is not for us. Thank you very much. We're going to follow after this guy because he's our champion. All right. So now God says, okay, you want to go down that route? This is what I'm going to give you. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so there's going to be this, this individual called the Antichrist will display tremendous uh, signs and wonders. I mean, really powerful stuff uh, that will make Superman look like a, 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 a puppy, for want of a better uh, analogy. For, uh, you know, but he's really going to display some real supernatural stuff. And we're not talking about movie stuff. This is reality now. This will actually be out in the open in front of everybody to see. And uh, God will allow that he's going to extend the world strong delusion so that they believe the lie because they chose not to believe the gospel. God, they didn't want anything to do with the Lord. And so the Lord says, okay, that's what you want. This is what you're going to get. And you're going to get it in full measure. Okay, so um, in looking at the Antichrist, um, you know, it's pretty much, a, we've alluded to it already, but there's, there's so much weird teaching out there. People are saying, it was a, you get all these false prophets and teachers and they have all of these, I don't know. But I mean, the, the Pope is supposed to be the Antichrist. Then uh, Henry Kissinger is supposed to be the Antichrist. Then the next president, Obama is supposed to be. And they come up with person after person after person. It's all garbage because um, as soon as the person dies or moves off the world stage, well, then the next uh, world figure is, okay, that one is now the Antichrist. And that's not the case at all. The Bible reveals a completely different individual to us about who this person, the Antichrist, actually is. And we've seen part of it alluded to already through Paul's teaching in that he's currently being restrained. He's not allowed to be manifested in the earth because there is a person who is restraining him from being manifested in the earth. And we're going to have a look at who that person is and why that person is um, restraining the Antichrist from being made manifest in the earth. So let's see what we have learned so far about the Antichrist. We do know that he is the leader 
of the fourth kingdom for the um, uh, Daniel's visions clearly show us that and if you look in the book of Revelation um, the beast that um, John was shown it, uh, the, the Antichrist comes that is the Antichrist the beast and so he comes out of that particular kingdom so we know that he um, he comes out of the Muslim faith because the fourth kingdom is the Muslim faith and he, we know that he will be, he, when he is manifested to the earth um, at the time when he's really made manifest. He is made manifest into the earth with great demonstration of supernatural powers. And so it's not going to be a charismatic person that everybody can say, oh, wow, this guy's really, you know, he's got the right answers. No, no. This person is going to demonstrate absolute miraculous powers. The Bible talks about the fact that he will call fire down from heaven in the sight of everyone. Now I know in the book of Revelation says that the false prophet will do it, but the false prophet will do it in his presence. And the only reason that the false prophet can do it is because the Antichrist will be there with him. And so this individual will have the power to by given to him by Satan and allowed by God, for don't forget all of it is orchestrated by the Lord because he's sending the strong delusion into the earth. And so he will have the ability to call down literal fire. And it's not going to be a little flame that comes down. It'll be a huge amount of fire that comes down out of heaven in the sight of everybody. And they will all see it. Um, and so it will be a real powerful demonstration of the supernatural powers of Satan being displayed through this individual. It's not a charismatic individual, although he might have uh, the ability to, to be charismatic as well, but he's going to really demonstrate uh, that, you know, I'm, when he says he's God, because he's going to go sit in the temple and he's going to say, guys, I'm God. And so everybody else, any other God out there is not nothing. You guys are now going to bow down to me. And so he's not a charismatic person. He's an actual, somebody who's just demonstrated, I'm actually God, look what I can do. And so I have a look at the, 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 the way he comes onto the world stage. Um, because don't forget now, Elijah and Moses are sent by God to uh, turn Israel back to God and to bring them into the kingdom. Um, now, the, the first time Elijah was made manifest in the earth, what happened? Well, what happened was Israel were completely outside of following after God. They had gone after the Baals, and they were, yeah, but they were, it was, you know, they were swaying to and fro. They still had the temple, but they had the Baals, and so they were doing both. You know, they, you know, they were basically um, just kind of placing their bets on both because they weren't too sure who to actually follow. You know, is it God, the temple, or is Baal the real God? So Elijah comes on board, and he, and he gets chosen by God to come and put to bed the whole thing and to really tell the Jews, okay, you guys need to get your act together. You need to decide who you're going to follow. You're going to follow God, you're going to follow the Bible. Make up your mind. Okay, so we're going to do it this way. Israel and Ahab, who was the king at the time, he says, now what I want you to do is I want you to get all of the, the prophets of Baal together. And so they gather they all the prophets of Baal. There's 450 of them. In fact, there were more because there were the prophets of the Astareth uh, God there as well. But let's just concentrate on the 450 prophets of Baal. There's one prophet of God, Elijah, on his own. And so what Elijah says, okay, we're going to now um, have a contest, basically. This is what we're going to do. Um, uh, we, you guys are going to put your sacrifice together. And you're gonna, uh, your God is going to accept your sacrifice. I'm going to put my sacrifice together, and my God will accept my sacrifice. And the way we're going to determine who is, in fact, God is the God who answers by fire. 
He's God. Okay, so in other words, the one who, if you guys can call fire down from heaven and let your uh, sacrifice be consumed by your God, Baal, then he's God. Or I'm going to call fire down from heaven from Jehovah, and if he sends fire and, and consumes my sacrifice by fire, then he's God. And so all the Jews look at this and they say, okay, that's not a bad idea. We're going to go with this competition. And the prophets of Baal are getting a bit nervous because they've never done this before. And actually, Elijah hasn't done it before either. But Elijah's there under the anointing of God, so he knows what God's going to do. So what happens now is that the, the prophets of Baal get their, their sacrifice together, and they begin uh, doing their little dance and shouting and screaming and cutting themselves. I mean, they really, the Bible says they were cutting themselves to that degree that the blood was flowing, and they were prophesying, and they were doing all sorts of stuff, and they were really begging for Baal to make himself manifest by fire and thus show to Israel that Baal is the true God. And so Elijah stirs them up. He says, come on, guys, you need to shout a bit louder. Your guy, you, 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 Baal's a, a God. You know, he's quite a busy person. He might be out there somewhere. You need to really shout louder. Anyway, he really tags him and he gives them a, a, a rough time. Nothing happens, okay? No fire from heaven. Now Elijah says, okay, now we're going to give Jehovah uh, uh, the chance. And so what Elijah then builds his uh, altar with you know, stones not cut by, uh, by steel. Elijah does his thing, puts the uh, sacrifice on the altar, and he really drenches it. He gets the guys to pour water. He digs a trench around the, the sacrifice. I don't know why I'm giving you such detail, but the Holy Spirit wants to go down through it. Um, and so he digs a whole trench around the sacrifice, and they drench the sacrifice in water. And the water's all over, and that, that, that trench is full of water. And then Elijah uh, prays to God, and he offers the sacrifice. It's the time of the evening sacrifice. And God answers by fire. And the fire of God comes down, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the altar, consumes all of the water, licks up everything, and it's all gone, disappeared. And Israel says, whoa, okay, Jehovah's God, Baal, not God. And so Elijah says, okay, now bring those 450 prophets of Baal and kill them in front of me. And they get slain, all of them. And Israel says, okay, we're going to start following off to God. They actually didn't. Yeah, a, few, a few days later, they stole the rebel. But be that as it may. That was the confrontation that took place first time that Elijah uh, comes on the scene um, in the Bible. He has the power to call fire down from heaven. And he does that. And so the, the Lord has sent the world through this man, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, strong delusion, because exactly the same thing has happened in reverse now. Whereas before God answered by fire and Israel turned to God, now Satan, in fact, has answered by fire and the world has turned to Satan to follow after the Antichrist and to um, reject the prophets of God. And so it's really powerful stuff that this Antichrist will make manifest in the earth. It's not his charisma that he's going to get him set up as God in the earth. It's the supernatural power that he will display in the earth. And as I say, he comes on the scene uh, with tremendous power. And God has sent them strong delusion. It'll happen. Our Lord, in, in alluding to this in Matthew 24, 24, he says, uh, and, this, and the, the, the scripture says, for false Christs, plural, and false prophets, plural, will rise and show great, great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But that plur, plural is not correct. It actually says, for a false Christ and a false prophet 
will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so the Lord has alluded to uh, the Antichrist plus his false prophet and the fact that they will have great signs and wonders. So, so much so that they will even try and deceive the elect. And the Lord says, guys, be careful that you do not get deceived. And you must understand, um, it's going to be a powerful time in the earth. You're really going to have to know exactly who you are and who's, who's your Lord because you're going to be seeing some stuff that you've not seen before. And uh, if you're anyway in, uh, in both camps, you're going to be, you're going to uh, fall without a doubt. You're going to go follow after uh, this tremendous uh, person who has displayed such powerful signs and wonders in the earth. You're going to say, you know, this is really godly stuff. This is not godly in that sense, but power of God stuff. And so, you know, if he says he's God, I'm, I'm for it. I'm going to follow after him. And so the, the Christians will really be, the mature Christians will be there. The, the, all of those who would have fallen away would have already fallen away or uh, they'll be close to it. Because remember, our Lord says that, that this, the signs will be that powerful that it'll be, he will even try to deceive the elect, if possible, he says in, one, in another gospel. Uh, it may, even if it's possible, it may be possible to deceive the elect, although it shouldn't be. Um, and so that's the kind of um, entrance that the Antichrist will make into the earth. A very powerful entrance. Um, and the earth will say, and sit up and take note. And that's why the Bible says, and they will all marvel after the Antichrist. And they will say, who's able to make war against this guy? You know, yeah, he is that powerful. And they will all follow after him. And so what about the reach of the reign of the Antichrist? Because, you know, the book, the book of Revelation does teach us that he will reign over all the earth. Um, and everybody gets, and all the Christians that is, get nervous because, you know, the Antichrist is coming. He's going to reign over the earth. And so we're all going to be um, martyred if we uh, try to resist him, wada, wada, wada. Um, but we had a look right at the answer. Remember that very first uh, uh, key event that has to be made manifest before our Lord returns, and that is that the fourth kingdom has to be made manifest. And you need to go back and look at, listen to that teaching to get an understanding of what we're talking about here. But at that time, when our Lord returns to the earth, the Bible clearly reveals to us, God reveals to us, that there will be four kingdoms on the earth, four predominant kingdoms. It not means that there won't be other little kingdoms, but there will be four main kingdoms on the earth at that time. And the Antichrist will be the ruler of the fourth kingdom. He does not rule over the whole earth. And so you say, okay, but then that doesn't make sense because in the book of Revelation, the scripture says that he rules over the whole earth. So how do we reconcile him ruling just over the fourth kingdom, but not over the whole earth? Because the other three kingdoms remain, they have their dominion, their dominion is only taken away when our Lord returns. Um, all right, so let's have a look at some scripture to try and explain to us why book of Revelation says and other parts of Scripture says that he will reign over the whole earth. Where in actual fact, when we looked at um, Daniel's uh, visions, he doesn't reign over the whole earth. He reigns over uh, certainly a large part, uh, part of the earth, at least a quarter of it. But he doesn't reign over the whole earth. And so we're going to have a look at some Scripture to try and help us to understand the, this contradiction that seems to be uh, shown and revealed in Scripture. And the Scripture we want to go look at is in Daniel chapter 2, beginning at verse 31. And Daniel is now 
uh, relating the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has had. And God has shown Nebuchadnezzar certain um, kingdoms that are going to rise up in the earth through this dream. And uh, Daniel is giving him the interpretation to that particular dream. And so we're picking up on, on the interpretation here. Daniel speaking, he says, You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. Verse 32, This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs and of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And then moving to verse 36, This is the dream. And so now, um, Daniel is now giving him the interpretation. Um, now we will tell you the interpretation of it before the king. Verse 37. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of, of heaven has given you a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And whatever, wherever the children of men dwell, all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over all of them. You are this head of gold. And so this head of gold is in fact the Babylonian Empire. Um, and he's talking about Nebuchadnezzar's empire. But look at the terms that he uses. He says that Nebuchadnezzar's empire, he says, wherever the children of men dwell, he has made you ruler over all of them. So that's, I mean, wherever the children of men dwell, that's in South America, in China, um, in Africa, children, men are dwelling there. And God had made Nebuchadnezzar ruler over all of them. But we know from historical fact that the, the Babylonian Empire never extended over all of the earth. It, it, the geographic location of that particular empire covered the area from modern-day Iran through to modern-day Egypt. That was the extent of that empire. And so it never reached into Europe, it never reached into Asia, it never reached into Australia, it never reached into Africa, it never reached into the Americas. And yet, look at the terminology that God uses. He says to Nebuchadnezzar, wherever the children of men dwell, he has made you ruler over them all. So there's a contradiction here. If you are just looking at black and white, because Nebuchadnezzar didn't reign over every human being on the planet at that time. Um, but God said he did. So now we need to understand why there's this contradiction. But let's carry on with the, the explanation. Um, you are this head of gold. Verse 39, he says, But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. And that other kingdom was the Median, Median Empire. I don't know how you say it, but anyway, the Medes. It was their empire, came after the Babylonian Empire. And that was, so the head of gold was Nebuchadnezzar's empire, which was the Babylonian Empire. Then the, the chest of silver was the Mede Empire, and that came after uh, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian Empire. And he, he says here, but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. So he doesn't make too much comment about the Mede Empire, but that was quite a big empire as well, pretty much the same size as the Babylonian Empire. Then he goes on, he says, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule, where? Over all the earth. Now that empire happens to be the Persian Empire. And the Persian Empire was bigger by far than the Babylonian Empire. In that geographically it spread from modern-day Greece through to modern-day India through to modern-day Egypt. 
So it was a, a lot bigger than the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar's Empire, because now he's talking about the thigh um, has been bronze, so it's, it's further down. So it's the gold, silver, bronze. And this bronze empire, he, um, God says through Daniel that um, this empire is over all of the earth, which shall rule over all the earth. But geographically, location-wise, it was ruling over from Greece to India to Egypt. That was it. It didn't go into Asia. It didn't go into Australia. It didn't go into Africa. It didn't go into Europe and the Americas. But God says it shall rule over all the earth. So did Daniel get it wrong? No, he didn't, because it's, uh, this is inspired scripture by the Holy Spirit. What is uh, happening here is the Lord just giving us uh, the, the spiritual interpretation of the, the terminology ruling over all the earth. We see it and we look at the geographic and we say, okay, but that's the extent of that empire. God doesn't see it that way. God sees it in the spirit realm. And the way God sees it is that he has placed that particular Nebuchadnezzar was the first and then down the line through to the, uh, the Persian Empire. He had placed those guys in charge completely. He had given them the authority in the earth that none could, um, not the word contest, but none could stand against. And so at the time that those empires were standing, talking about the Babylonian Empire, the Median Empire and the Persian Empire, you had powerful empires in China, the Ming Dynasty and all those guys out there. You had the Aztecs and the, uh, I don't know, there was another one bunch in, in South America. Also powerful um, empires. But none of those empires would have been able to um, desist from following after any kind of uh, leadership from, this, the, from Nebuchadnezzar and his empire leading down into the Persian Empire because God had ordained that he was going to be ruler over all the earth. Now, he didn't geographically rule over all the earth, but as far as God was concerned, that's exactly how he was because he was the most powerful man in the earth. God had ordained him to be the most powerful man in the earth. And that's how God saw it. And that's how God said it. And so when the Antichrist comes on board and he begins his reign, now he, I'm talking about when he begins his reign from the temple and saying to everybody, I'm God, everybody else has to bow their knee to me. Um, that is when he will now reign over all the earth. Now the whole earth will not follow after him. There will be uh, the other three kingdoms which would not be able to challenge his power because his power will be revealed as very plainly to everybody. Don't challenge this guy and his kingdom because that's powerful stuff. We can't deal with that. And so they will cower down, but they will not be under his direct rule and authority. Um, and I'm not going to jump ahead myself as to what actually transpired during his rule and reign because we'll get to that as we get through the series of teachings. But that's how God sees him, as one who is ruler over all the earth, because there is going to be no one more powerful. Satan is going to give him much power. Not all of his power, by the way. The scripture doesn't say Satan gives him all his power, but he gives him great power. And so this particular individual will have great power in the earth, um, and he will reign over the earth because of his power. But the rest of the earth will not really be under his kingdom. Geographically located, he will still rule over the fourth kingdom. That fourth kingdom will spread, but it will not ever reach to the point where it, it um, takes over the whole earth. God will return. Our Lord Jesus will return before that time. 
So that kind of helps you to understand why the scripture says he's going to reign over all the earth, but in fact he won't reign over all the earth. Because don't forget, um, when our Lord when our Lord comes, uh, you know, there's going to be uh, the Bible. The Lord says, you know, there's going to be two grinding, and one will be taken, one will be left. Two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. And so Christians will be going out doing their normal daily work uh, wherever they are. It's only in the fourth kingdom that the Christians and the Jews are really going to uh, be persecuted and a lot of martyrs will come out of uh, that kingdom at that time. But I've said enough about that particular aspect. So let's look at, again, some more aspects about this Antichrist because we want to try to put to bed the Antichrist in this teaching today. The Bible says he's a man, and we know he's a man. Paul refers to him as a man, a son of perdition. Um, the book of Revelation very clearly says he's a man. Revelation 13, 18 says, Here is wisdom. Let him who understands, who has understanding, calculate the number of the beast. Talking about the Antichrist. For it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And so he is a man, without a doubt. But he's not only a man. He is more than a man. Because, remember, the, the, he's currently being restrained. And there's a person that's restraining him. And until that person is taken out of the way, uh, he cannot be revealed to the earth. But once that person's taken out of the way, the Antichrist can be revealed into the earth. So the Antichrist is there. He's not, he, and he's been there. He was back there even in Paul's day. Because Paul says, you know what, he's currently restraining him. That's 2,000 years ago. So he's 2,000 years later, this individual is still being restrained. So he's a man, but he's not your normal man. He's not uh, the kind of man that we know about. And so we're going to have a look at some scripture to help us understand who this uh, man is um, called the Antichrist. And we're going to look at Revelation chapter 17, verse 8 who describes a, a bit more to us about the Antichrist. He says, this is the angel speaking to uh, John the Apostle. He says, the beast that you saw, now look at his terminology, was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So this, this Antichrist, the son of perdition, was he, was, he was on the earth at one time. He is not, he's not on the earth now. And will ascend out of the bottomless pit. So now we know where he is being restrained. Paul said, "You now, you, he said, you now you know what is currently uh, restraining him, so he can be revealed in his time. He's current, currently being restrained in the bottomless pit. That's where the Antichrist is being held currently. Okay, and he's been there for quite a long time. Not only the two thousand years that have elapsed since Paul uh, mentioned him." Um, but he's been there for longer than that, and we'll, get, we'll see scripture along that line. But that's where he is today. Now, who's restraining him? Well, there's an angel that has the key to the bottomless pit. And only when the, that angel uh, unlocks the key to the bottomless pit do things start coming out of the bottomless pit. You've got to look at the book of Revelation and some weird stuff that comes out of the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit, by the way, is just another name for Hades, for hell, for outer darkness. Um, there's a lot down there, and a lot more than we, we have any idea. And that's in the center of the earth. Guys, there's some weird stuff in the, in the middle of, of the earth. Um, but God is gracious. He doesn't let us see it, because I think our minds would blow if we did get to see half the stuff. Um, anyway, so he says here, The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit to go to perdition, because he's eventually going to be judged. 
And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life, from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Okay, so this particular individual was on the earth at one time. He's not on the earth at the moment because he's currently being held in the bottomless pit. And he will be revealed when uh, the, him who is restraining him is taken out of the way. And then his time is come and he gets to re be revealed in the earth. So, who is this individual that was on the earth at one time? He's not on the earth currently, but he's currently being held in the bottomless pit. And so don't forget that also shows us the, the, the supernatural aspect to this individual. He's not a human being that breathes uh, air and like you and I do, because he's, he's dwelling in the bottomless pit. Um, and I don't think it's a, it's a place where humans can live by and large, uh, but he's able to be down there. But he, that's where he is. And he'll come out when, when God says, okay, now's your time. And so let's see how he got down there. Because remember, he, the angel says he was, he's not here, yeah, and he will be revealed. So how, when he was here, how did he get here? Who was he? And so we're going to go back into the, the Old Testament. We're going to look at some scripture that occurred prior to Noah's day. And we're going to see how the Antichrist came, came about. The son of perdition. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through to 4. The scripture says, Now it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, don't forget this is before Noah's time, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Verse 4, there were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. And so what happened here is that angelic beings, who were part of Satan's kingdom, by the way, um, came down to the earth for the express purpose of cohabiting with uh, women, with the daughters of men. And they had offspring. And the offspring that they had um, were part angel, part man, because the angels were angels and the women were humans. And they cohabited with each other and the offspring was part angel, part man. Now those angels rebelled against God because God does not allow angels to enter into the realm of man and vice versa. God separates them. They are two different beings, two different species, and God does not allow one species to intermingle with another species. Um, now, even Satan was not part of this particular rebellion. These angels rebelled against Satan's rule um, because Satan would never have sanctioned these angels doing what they did. Because had he sanctioned them, God would have held him accountable. And uh, Satan's not, he, he knows he's judged, he knows he, where, where he's heading, but he's not stupid. He's not going to go there before his time. He's going to keep out of there as long as possible. And so these angels came to the earth, they cohabited with women, and they had offspring. And their offspring were part angel, part men. The Antichrist and the false prophet fall into this category. They are part angel, part men. And when we look at them in, in detail as we go through the scriptures, the Bible talks about the fact that these two individuals are cast alive 
into the lake of fire and brimstone. Now the reason they are, and they're the first to go in by the way, uh, no one goes into the lake of fire and brimstone before they do, which is the second death as revealed to us in the book of Revelation. Um, but the reason they are cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone is because they cannot be killed, because they are immortal. Angels cannot die. And so these two individuals are part angel, part man, and so they cannot die. They are immortal beings. And so that is why they get cast into the lake of fire and brimstone alive. Um, and we'll look at that in a little bit more detail. You say, gee, you really pulled out a lot of uh, information out of just one scripture. Well, I, it's not just one scripture. Let's have a look at another scripture that helps us to understand all of this, which is in Jude chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. Scripture says, And the angels, so here we go, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, God does not allow angels to come into the earth, and to mingle with mankind. They have their domain, we have our domain, and God keeps us separate. Um, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains until under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And so they're in the bottomless pit. These angels that sinned against God in this manner, in that they went after strange flesh, they left their proper domain, they left their own abode, and they came into the earth, and they cohabited with women, and they had offspring. God has judged those angels, and he has put them into the bottomless pit. He can't kill them because they're angels. They cannot die. And so they are being restrained in the bottomless pit, and they've been held down there for their judgment day. And their judgment day is still coming. Uh, all the angels are still to be judged, and it's the church that's going to judge the angels. The scripture tells us that very plainly. And so they, they're down there in the bottomless pit waiting. But so are the offspring. God also put them down because God cannot have um, hybrid offspring of part angel, part man walking about on the earth. Because don't forget, these individuals cannot die. And so they would still be alive. If they were walking around on the earth, they would still be... Because I think it's... We're looking at roughly 4,000 years ago that this event occurred. You go look back at the timeline. I might be wrong about on my timeline, but before Noah's day. So yeah, at least 4,000 years ago, maybe longer. Um, because Adam is 6,000 years ago. So it kind of gives you a bit of an idea. So they would still be walking around on the earth, not dying. The whole earth would say, whoa, 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 whoa. there's something about these guys that are different because they just don't die. And so, yeah, that would be pretty much of a key thing. And so God has shut them all up in the bottomless pit, and that's where they're being held currently. But those two individuals, the false prophet and the Antichrist, the son of perdition, God is going to allow them to come out, and he's going to allow them to be made manifest in the earth under Satan's guidance, because obviously Satan is, is their God. Um, and God, is, God will allow all of this to happen because, remember, God sends them the strong delusion, the world that is, that they may believe a lie. And so that's where these individuals... Uh, let me just carry on. In verse 7 of Jude 1, he says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, these angels, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And so what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, they went into bestiality. And so they were going off the strange flesh. They were doing stuff that God had really said, no ways, you don't do this. And so they were doing that. But the angels were doing the same thing, in that they had gone off the strange flesh, because they had gone off to a woman, um, descendants of men. 
And so God judged them. And he's now bound those angels up in the in chains of darkness and in the bottomless pit. They're there for, until they get judged by the, on, by the church on the last day. However, the um, Antichrist and the false prophet are also there now, but they will be released in their time and they will be manifested into the earth and they will then do a whole lot of things on the earth uh, just demonstrating extraordinary powers uh, that are going to really um, delude the whole earth. The whole earth is going to follow after them. But again, not the whole earth, because you know, it's only those in the fourth kingdom that will receive the mark of the beast. The rest of the world will not receive the mark of the beast. The Bible is very plain that all who receive the mark of the beast will be destroyed when our Lord returns. However, the three kingdoms that remain on the earth will not be destroyed when our Lord returns. Go back and listen to the teaching on the fourth kingdom if you want more understanding along those lines. But I think I've talked enough about the Antichrist um, today. We've had a look at this particular individual. But I, I hope you've understood that this particular individual is not a charismatic being. He's not a, the President of the United States, not the Pope. He's not one of the uh, Henry Kissinger, not one of those people. He's not a normal person. And he's not on the earth at the, this point in time. And when he does get, he does make, be, he is manifested to the earth, it's going to be very, very powerful stuff. And the earth will follow after him. But again, it's only the fourth kingdom that will really follow after him. The rest of the world will sit up and take note. And they will say, well, yeah, we'll leave this guy alone because he's way out of our league. But the fourth kingdom will really bow down to him and worship him and receive the mark of the beast. And they're the ones who will be destroyed by our Lord Jesus Christ when um, our Lord returns to the earth. And we're going to look at the next key, next, there's two more key events we want to look at before we close off this particular series. And the next key event is, because don't forget, when he manifests, talking about the Antichrist, when he manifests himself in the earth, um, it, it's, it's a, a huge blow to natural Israel, who will have by then become spiritual Israel and be part of the church. And it's a huge blow to them because they are going to be gaining for a torrid time under his rule and reign. But we'll have a look at that in more detail in the next series of teaching. Um, and we're going to close off the teaching on that point today. Amen.